Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to a special edition of the CSN King's Insider Podcast brought to you by Max Muscle. I am James Ham. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we have a little bit of a different show today. Again, this is sort of an emergency podcast to break down the DeMarcus Cousins trade. DeMarcus Cousins, Omri Caspi going to the New Orleans Pelicans for Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, a first round pick that's top three protected in 2017. And a 2017 second round pick, which is the Philadelphia 76ers, currently a pretty solid second round pick right at the front end of the second round. Um, but first thing we're going to do here before we get into the discussion is I was able to catch up with Vlade Divots today after uh, the press conference in which he sort of solidified what had happened with the DeMarcus Cousins situation. And we're going to roll that audio now, and then Aaron Bruski will join me, and we'll have a, uh, a discussion on what it is that we've heard on this situation, what it is that Vlade Divac says, uh, where the Kings go from here, and you know, sort of the, the state of the Sacramento Kings as they sit today. So here is that interview with Vlade Divac. What was his decision? I know you have a relationship with DeMarcus, but when push came to shove, how difficult was it? It was very difficult because, you know, I, I, I like him, you know, I think uh, uh, he's a such talented guy. Um, and uh, I was really thinking hard about it. Uh, where are we going? Where are we are now? What do we want to achieve? And uh, I made a decision to go other way. Who was part of the decision group? Um, did, was Dave Yeager uh, part of the decision? Was Ken? Was, I mean, who? Of was course, yeah, I mean the, the entire basketball uh, operation. We were talking, we were scouting, we were deliberating. You know, obviously, uh, I told coach uh, afterwards. Okay, you made a, a decision to go after Buddy Heald in this deal, and you even mentioned here in the press conference that there there may have been another deal that was better than this. Any no. idea? See, you, you got me wrong. I didn't say that. That's why I tried to clear. Uh, I, w- I had a few days before a uh, better deal Yeah. from, I don't want to say who, but you'll guess. But it disappeared after a day. Okay, and was that specifically because he wasn't willing to uh, sign an extension somewhere? Well, that's the question for, for, for them or for, for him or the agents. I'm just saying there was a process, big process for us. So uh, when those agents talking about one side, you know, yeah. I don't want to talk about the other side gotcha. and get, get in the discussion because... It's not point. Uh, I know 
uh, I did everything to make a, a clear vision where we are, what we're going to do, and again, it was, a, in my mind, best time and best deal we had, and we would have probably moving forward, because the one disappeared quickly. Yeah. Okay, so when you talk about, I mean, I, I know you guys had negotiated a, like upwards of $219 million contract, and now you pull that and you move him. And no, we didn't negotiate about uh, that, that contract at all. We were talking about possibilities. Okay. Um, but you guys sort of had made a commitment to, to Marcus. You had said he wasn't going to be traded. I know you guys met with him and his agents. Now, where, uh, I, I know as of right now, it sounds like agents are, are a little leery on that situation where it felt like you guys had something that was going one way and then you switch gears. And, you know, in the end, it really does hurt DeMarcus's value as mm, going forward. I think it's the uh, opposite. I don't want to go in details, but... You guys know better than I what's going on around the basketball world. Okay. Do you are you comfortable with this deal? You're comfortable moving forward without him and sort of having a full cultural reboot? Of course, I wouldn't do it if I don't feel comfortable. Uh, now we have a clear, you know, direction. Okay. What we want to do, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't make a deal if I don't feel comfortable. When you started this offseason you brought in a lot of cultural guys you brought in Garrett Temple you brought in Anthony Tolliver even Ty Lawson has been really nice inside that locker room Um, but you have these off the the court issues with with Cousins and with Matt Barnes how much does that play into trying to build a culture and and why was it that you guys decided to bring in a guy like Matt Barnes knowing his history in, in you know and still bringing him in to be part of that no besides besides that uh, incident on few, you know, on a court, Matt Barnes was very good signing for us. But that off the court stuff, you know, we don't like that. We don't, you know, it's, I don't, con- as an organization, we don't condone, condone that, those kind of stuff. We have to, you know, represent Sacramento and organization in a better way. When you look at where you guys are heading now, you're so young. I mean, is this going to take a while to, to get things moving the right way? Uh, it's hard to say, you know, uh, because I'm sure we're going to be open to improve our team, you know, moving forward, you know, and uh, um, yeah, if you ask me, you know, if we are better off without one of the masters right now, no, right now, no, but, you know, we're going to improve and move forward. Uh, and try to win, the, you know, build the, the culture and winning, you know, here, uh, not just to make a playoff, but, you know, move forward. Last question. Yeah. What do you got uh, as far as the fans? What do you tell the fans who saw that you guys were so close to the playoffs and now you kind of just, the team just blew up? I, uh, I think the, the just making a playoffs and not moving forward and be stuck, I don't think it's the answer, you know, and I be, really believe, and, and, and that's why I decide to, uh, because it was, a, again, best time and best offer there to move in direction where we can build the culture and and uh, and uh, in the future build the championship team not just eight spot all right aaron there's a lot to lot to get to in, in that little clip from vlade divots uh first of all uh what are your thoughts on on what divots had to say right there 
Wow. I mean, it's a lot to unpack there. Um, that's a great interview, by the way. And um, he's, uh, he, I think it helps to understand the timeline of all of this and, and kind of where this started, where it ended up, and, and probably a little bit in the in-between as well. Just the the fact that they were so committed to DeMarcus Cousins really makes the um, the the pivoting and, and the explanations kind of fall a little bit flat and a little bit on deaf ears just simply because and, – and you get that. You understand why they're doing that. They're a professional sports franchise. They're not going to come out and say, oh, this sucks. You know, They're going to come out and say, this is why we did it and here are the good reasons why. So there should be no surprise about that. But, um, you know, as far as, you know, the deal making, you know, behind the scenes and, and kind of saying, well, no, this didn't happen. We didn't say this with DeMarcus. This wasn't on the table, you know, this, that and the other. I think it was widely believed, not just in Sacramento, but around the NBA, that DeMarcus Cousins was going to be signing with the Kings or extending with the Kings. Um, that story is starting to change a little bit as we move past this um, this scenario. Uh, I think that that represents the Kings sort of saying, okay, hey, hey, let's pump the brakes on this here, everybody. This was not quite a done deal. And that is a little little surprising. You know, I, I, I wouldn't go to the mat on that. I didn't have any sort of kernel information that they were definitely going to do this deal with DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, that's... Um, I of, did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. And, you know, and I can't really talk about anything because, you know, my sources had them only looking at Godfather offers. And what ends up happening there is you have a disconnect between decision makers, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, and people that really honestly to God thought that they um, had a read on what was going on in, in the decision making room. And that timeline and that story is probably the story behind the story. Um, but that is really, you know, that's the phenomenal thing about this is you have a franchise player. You have a league's best big man, according to many analysts, many reputable analysts out there and an organization that has really gone to the to the tilt for DeMarcus Cousins in, in every in every way possible, whether it's defending him, whether it's pr bringing in players or shaping their their long term strategies for him. And in a matter of about a week, that all that just evaporated and it changed. And there has been a – like I reported this on um, Jason Ross's podcast and, and, and I apologize for not doing it here. But I really kind of wanted to wait and flesh it out and source it. And, and it didn't at the time seem honestly like something I really wanted to pursue. But about two months ago, there was a report that there was a softening in ownership about trading to Marcus Cousins and even at the uh, front office level. So, you know, mental note, whatever, and lots and lots and lots of reports to the contrary. So, you know, just kind of file that away. Um, you know, now um, that has changed. Uh, the decision-making process behind that, you know, is is definitely influenced by Vivek. And, and that has borne itself out and not just my reporting, but other people's reporting. And, and as we look at this here, you know, that window of time where he was our guy and then he's no longer our guy, that's really what bears evaluating because that's really dictated the timelines and, and the return on investment and everything that's been in the news really, you know, kind of 
dominating the news. I don't, I don't think anybody's talked about anything else for the last 48 hours. Yeah, it's strange. It's like DeMarcus Cousins overtook Donald Trump as the... Uh, it happened, yeah. The soup du jour of the last like, 48 <laughs> hours. Who knew that that could happen? So here's here's a story that, that I've pieced together through all of the conversations that I've had so far today and over the last couple of days. And uh, first of all, when I, I tweeted out, uh, well, I, I tweeted out a story during the game that said, um, during the All-Star game, that said that this was 50-50. I think that caught a lot of people off guard, like, what in the world? And it was more than 50-50, and it moved very quickly from there. And so I think what we have to do is kind of back up and see what's happened here. So the Kings, whether they negotiated fully or whether they came to, like, a a sort of pseudo agreement on DeMarcus getting a max deal. Uh, that happened. And there's no question that that happened, that, that there was a conversation that needed more vetting, that needed more uh, sort of DeMarcus had some wants and some needs and the Kings had some wants and some needs. And a lot of the Kings wants and needs from what I know was that the behavioral issues, you know, started to clean up, that they started to get, him moving in the right direction even further and look he's improved greatly there's no question that he's improved improved greatly over the last couple of years but when you really look at at his sort of his arc it's not coming fast enough I mean he's at 17 technical fouls one more tech and he's suspended for a game we all know that whole deal but to really rewind so from what I know there was a rumor about the Phoenix Suns. And to be honest with you, I, I'm more inclined to believe that the rumor with the Phoenix Suns was pretty legitimate at the time. Uh, we kind of laughed it off as, you know, what was it, Alex Lynn and uh, TJ Warren and a first-round pick or something like that for Cousins. And we kind of laughed it off. But what had happened was that the Kings had already had a full-fledged conversation with Cousins about you know, sort of some of the parameters of what they wanted if they were going to lock up this monster extension for him. And uh, he was excited because he was going to get this this ginormous stack of cash to, uh, like, again, $219 million over a five-year extension. And so all of a sudden this, this Phoenix Suns thing breaks and, you know, his people, they want to know what's going on. So they have a sit-down with DeMarcus and his agent, and it was on a Thursday, uh, right in the beginning of February. And basically what happened in that situation is they said, look, we're not looking to trade you. Um, you know, we intend to, to do this massive, you know, contract extension this summer. But again, we need more from you. We, we need all of this other stuff to kind of go away. And so they went into that weekend and they played the the Golden State Warriors and the Kings on Saturday they beat the Golden State Golden State Warriors uh, in overtime and it was a dramatic win. But Demarcus Cousins got a technical in that game and pushed his total to fourteen. And following the game, Demarcus yelled some explicits at a Warriors fan in the tunnel. And uh, a couple of days later, he received a twenty five thousand dollar fine from the NBA. Uh, then we get to uh, the game, the next game, which is the Chicago Bulls, which I believe is on a Tuesday. So we're literally looking at Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, 
Cousins draws two more technicals, uh, gets ejected with 1.1 second remaining in the game, storms off the court, uh, dramatic fashion, the Kings lose the game. Um, and again, he draws a 16th tech. The next day, the NBA comes down with the hammer on him, uh, hitting him with a $25,000 fine, hitting him with a one-game suspension. And again, I had spoken to DeMarcus repeatedly coming up to this. There was a chance that the NBA was going to review more of his technicals back behind uh, you know, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th technical leading up to this. And they were going to give him a little bit of a, a benefit of the doubt here and, and maybe even rescind some. But he forced their hand. All of a sudden, he was at 16 technicals before they did anything. And they had nowhere to go. And so they had to suspend him. It's not like they he gets to 16 and they can back it up and all of a sudden, you know, we're no longer, you know, you're at 13. Sorry about that, Boston Celtics. You have to face DeMarcus Cousins. And then the Kings come out and they beat the Celtics. And this is sort of the moment where the Kings, the wheels in their head start to turn and say, look, we've given this guy every opportunity. And now we're talking about giving him a massive payday. And at the end of this deal, we're talking about $50 million a year, you know, an average salary of over $40 million a season. And we can't get some of the basics. And is this the right investment? And so from what I know, uh, maybe that wasn't the moment that everything came like a clarifying moment, but it's certainly a moment where they said, you know what, we need to rethink this and we need to analyze this further and is this something that we're going to be dealing with? Is this a cultural thing that we're going to be faced with again and again and again for the next six years? Are we really going to tie everything to someone who continues to have off the on the court issues? Uh, and then on top of that, we're nine games under 500 at the All-Star break. And whether we're in the conversation for the playoffs or not, that's because the league, the Western Conference, is, is having a really, really down year. It's not because we're a 500 team that's fighting and clawing. So we need to evaluate what it is that we think we have here because long-term, we're committing everything to him. And is he committing back? And uh, and I, I believe that that is really where this, this thing kind of slid out and, and kind of went sideways for Cousins and his people. Mm. There's so much there. So when you evaluate a $200 million asset, I think you probably look broader than one week. And there is something to be said for the straw that breaks a camel's back. But, but you know this more than one week. I mean, we're oh, looking no, at... Oh, no, this is, this is his entire six, stay in Sacramento. Seven years this, is, this, of, this isn't yeah. anything having to do with one week. But when, you do, when you're doing long-term asset planning you know, strategy... You're you're looking at, okay, if we're not going to go this way, you know, how do we maximize that asset? And I think that the the chief complaint amongst people, not only outside the walls, but inside the walls, mind you, is that this this plan, if you're going to move to Marcus Cousins, is not best done at this stage, and it's not best done in this way. That's going to be the chief complaint that's out there. Uh, the other complaint that's going to be out there is that if, you know, Vivek Ranadive is completely divorced from basketball operations, then this decision falls completely under the purview of Vlade Divac. 
that's not what I'm hearing. And I think just by the the way that we've we've experienced the Vivek Ranadive ownership, it's it's fair. And here's the other part that that puts this in a not so negative light is this is the way that most team owners operate is they sign off on decisions. They, you know, they, they don't mess around with the details. But if you're going to trade a franchise player, I would guess maybe all owners, managing owners in the league are going to require a sign off on that. Yeah. Now, we've heard from Woj and others that there were two offers given to Vlade or probably to, to Vivek, almost like a pick one or the other type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard a lot about the offer that was pulled. Um, we've heard that the Lakers were involved and we've heard some uh, reporting on how there were teams that were still interested and heard about this deal and wish that they could get in on it. So what it there's there is a timeline in the background where it's it's like a ticking time bomb, if you will, where we're not we're not ready to move from DeMarcus. We're not ready to move on from DeMarcus. We're not ready. OK, now we're ready. And that moment theoretically occurred in the last week. Yeah, that is the pain point of this discussion is if this is what you were offered from New Orleans, why not just eat it and say, you know what, maybe we don't believe this is, you know, the the player we want to wrap $200 million around. What, well, why not test your luck in, in the offseason and, and, and any other permutation of this deal that could have potentially happened? That's the stuff that you hear both outside the walls and inside the walls that I think is is worth examination. Yeah. Okay. So to play devil's advocate, what what I know of this situation is that the Kings had not shopped, but had conversations around the league all season long and had a a very good understanding of the group of teams that would be interested in him and sort of what they were willing to go. Like they had most teams, quote unquote, best offer. And when this thing started to go towards a, we're getting, we're choosing like a final two, a final three, things went wonky from everything that I know. Uh, and that is because uh, from from what I've been told, uh, that is when agent play came into effect here. And DeMarcus had said repeatedly all weekend long at All-Star Weekend that he loves Sacramento, that he intends to stay here his entire career, that it's something that, you know, he, he wants to do and he loves the city, he loves the fans. And and that's that's perfect. That's what exactly what you want to hear from your all-star when he's at All-Star Weekend. Uh, but at the same time, the Kings started to get to the point where they were really looking at specific deals. And that is when, uh, from what I know, his agent stepped in and said, wait, 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 wait. You're not looking at any other deal. What are you talking about? We have, we have a $219 million you know, deal here. And just so people know, Cousins can't get that deal anywhere else. The designated player thing is such a huge, huge thing for DeMarcus because basically it's a difference between a four-year contract extension and a five-year contract extension. It's a difference between getting 35% of the salary cap signing with your own team and getting 30 signing with a new team. And once DeMarcus was traded, his designated player 
exe- uh, exemption goes away. It's done. He he can't sign that with his new team. Uh, that's only for your original team. It's sort of the Kevin Durant rule. It's a way of keeping a player in his in his current uniform in the uniform of the team that drafted him, so they have some more continuity. And uh, so when the Kings went to to make this move, teams backed out very quickly because his agent made it very clear that he does not intend to sign any extension with anyone. And so that means that you've got Cousins for the last 25 games, and then you have him next season, but he's going to let his contract expire and then become an unrestricted free agent and have the ability to still sign back with that team as... Uh, because they'll still have his Larry Bird rights where they can exceed the salary cap to to sign him and retain him. But at the same time, he was going to be an unrestricted free agent where he could go shop himself to any team and go chase whatever he wants. And uh, and that's something that teams were looking at. Like, if I'm the, the New Orleans Pelicans and I'm offering up Buddy Hild and Tyreek Evans and uh, Langston Galloway and... and two or three first round picks for DeMarcus Cousins, as soon as I don't think that I'm going to be able to retain him or I don't know that I'll be able to retain him, that deal goes down to one pick and it now becomes lottery protected. And so the value of the deals that were on the table either disappeared, which is what Vlade was talking about, or they were reduced substantially by this information that his agent was putting out. And it was with the intent of getting the Kings to keep him because the agent, of course, wants that $219 million contract. He wants his 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 free agent to be to, to get his massive payday. And the Kings, on the other hand, they thought, okay, look, if we sign this deal, at a minimum, we're locking up DeMarcus Cousins for two years before we can even trade him because you can't trade him for the rest of this season and then you can't trade him in the final year of his previous contract it's a it's a mess with the CBA you you just can't trade him so the kings were looking at it saying okay we're at least locked in for this amount of time and then if we decide that he's not right for us at that moment then we're trading a player who makes 40 plus million dollars a year and that's not going to be easy to do teams aren't going to be lining up trying to get a max money player off our books if it goes south. And by south, they mean they can't build a team that can win and they continue to struggle to be either the eight seed or worse, which has been, you know, they, they haven't even made the eight seed. So again, this is a really, really complex situation and it looks knee jerk. And I understand that, Aaron, but at the same time, I it, it's such a huge like decision and if you come to the decision that maybe we've made a mistake here and this isn't the right thing to do, I mean, I don't like the return that they got, but sometimes the return is, you know, a player is worth what someone else is willing to give for him. And all this whole conjecture that there were other teams and everything else, I'll, you know, I just don't know. I don't know that all of that's factual. I do know that the Phoenix Suns were involved and I do know that Los Angeles Lakers were involved and then either one or two of those teams were no longer involved uh, when it came to Sunday and the Kings had to make a decision. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff there. Um, I think the Kings had to know that, that if, especially if Cousins wants to play there and he's going to make a boatload of extra money, 
to play there. And the agent is, of course, going to want all of that, but they would throw this card down. This shouldn't have been a surprise. Like this card was going to be played no matter what. And, and that it hadn't been played or that there was even talks with teams under the impression that it wasn't going to be played without communicating with DeMarcus. Okay, so you're going to trade a bunch of stuff for DeMarcus Cousins, right? You're going to want to know what are my chances of re-signing this guy? So you're going to put the feelers out and you're going to find this stuff out. Well, now that the the agents are calling around and saying, we're not going to re-sign with any team. Maybe that's a public move. You know, maybe it's already been stated behind closed doors, but that seemed like a stepwise move where it occurred after some sort of discussions with teams, a frameworks of deals had been yeah. discussed and mentioned. And then they were like, Oh, wait a second here. Uh-uh, hang on. Well, there comes a this, point where and, you and have that, to bring it to teams and where you have to bring it to the agents and say, look, this is what we're about to do. There is a point where that happens. And absolutely. And so, but this kind of speaks to how, if you're going to go into this, say you, okay, sunk, sunk costs, you know, you, you, you don't chase bad bets in any walk of life, right? So we can all agree on that point. If you get to that point, you have to know that you're going to get hit with that card that DeMarcus Cousins agent is going to play. So you have to know that if I take this down to the wire and DeMarcus really, really wants to play here and he's going to make more money to play here, that there's a chance that this gets treated as a as basically a rental or it's something just yeah. above that. Yeah. And that's where this really kind of falls off the off off the rails a little bit is you got you know a long-term vision and then a short-term vision and there have been you know sources have said consistently that there is a faction and it had been growing of people inside the Kings that were no longer on the DeMarcus Cousins bandwagon. And I wouldn't be breaking news here if I said that Vivek Ranadive was long, a, a longtime supporter of DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. So eventually that pendulum, it, it swung and, and it swung during All-Star Weekend and, and it swung with four days left to go in the trade deadline. And, and the mechanics of all these deals and the back and forth of, you know, agents saying, no, you can't do this or we're not going to sign with you. And, and however hollow that threat may end up being is is also up for debate. Um, you know, this resulted in a very, you know, you looked at Vlade during the presser and he looked really, really tired. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a bummer to have to give an asset that realistically I mean, when you're talking about what should you get in return for DeMarcus Cousins, let's look at other deals that have happened. I mean, you've got oh, they should have got Kevin gold. Love, yeah. Andrew Wiggins. I mean, just down the line. I mean, we had conversations like, would you trade Kevin Love for Clay Thompson? You know, in in past years, the best big men, and and mind you, in a league where big men are given these massive deals because they're so rare, and you know, they're, it's just like, I mean, look at Mozgov gets a massive deal and it's on down the line. They just get these massive deals because that's they're just rare. And who is who's thought of as the best big man in the league? I mean, we should be talking about all stars in return. You know, either an aging all star with picks or a really young and up and coming player along the, the lines of an Andrew Wiggins or a, a Zach Levine, you know, before he got hurt and picks. Yeah, but not for a not for an eighteen month rental. And 
you know, not even really that, like a hundred game rental. Cause that's which, all you're which, getting out of cousins. Which, so now we're talking about sunk costs and, you know, do you chase a bad bet? You also have to look at, well, I, I have this asset and you're going to give me X, Y, and Z in return. What's my risk reward of just keeping the asset and seeing, you know, as, as far as the progress of DeMarcus Cousins goes, I think he has made progress this year. And has he done a, a, a whole bunch of incredibly stupid stuff? Absolutely. But that you knew coming into this equation. I that agree, is, but that's to, the play, given. to play devil's advocate, Aaron, the you can say that DeMarcus does this or that, but this season alone, he's in a nightclub in a horrible situation with Matt Barnes. Um, and, and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day, but we all know what happened there. Uh, you know, whether he was arrested or cited or anything, which he was not, it still was a horrible look. Everyone saw the TMZ video of him outside the bar. They know what he said. They know the way that he was acting. I mean, that's one thing. Uh, he got into confrontations with three different media members during the season, including a very like upfront, I mean, a very widely publicized run-in with media where he he got fined by the team, and then on top of that, he's at 17 technicals. He's been thrown out of games, and, and then we throw in the $25,000 fine for yelling at, at a fan. So look, I'm not saying that he's a devil, and I'm not saying that he hasn't improved, but is there a point where you have to say, what is improvement? How far does it have to go? And is it worth the risk of giving $219 million to somebody who still, even in year seven, has shown that this is what he's capable of on the basketball court, which is incredible. This is our win-loss record, which is not incredible. And this is the mess that we've got off the court, which is not good at all. And so I, I understand. I just, you know, realistically, if the Kings were going to do this, they probably should have done it last summer and they would have got more or they should have done it you know the year before the the trade line tr trade deadline before so you could have maximized your value and when people say oh they didn't get what they should have got they probably did get what they should have got they just didn't get what you hoped and what you think he's worth but this is what you get for a rental even if it's a 26 year old guy who puts up huge numbers and is the best big man in the league again you're not getting you're not getting Anthony Davis. You're not getting even Kevin Love. When he made his move, he couldn't get his team into the playoffs. And you have these, you know, that's, it's not what you're getting because those guys didn't have the third component, which is the negative that Cousins has. And so I don't know what, what's fair. I think the Kings probably should have got an additional first round pick in this deal. But if that's it, I mean, are you okay with it? I don't know. And I don't know what the right answer is, Aaron. And I don't, sorry fans, I don't know what I would have done if I was in Vlade and Vivek's position. I just know that this is sort of the the situation that you have to look at in its totality. You can't just look at how good he is as a player and how young he is and his willingness to stay here long term. Because his willingness to stay here a long term is a good thing on one hand, but it might not be a good thing on on the other hand because you could have just got locked up for six years and his behavior could stay the same. And because of the amount of money he was owed, no one would take him off your hands. 
and now you know you're stuck in in this perpetual cycle of 30 wins forever and ever and it doesn't matter what you bring in alongside him you never get out of it yeah no i i mean this it's with regards to like if you're gonna sell your house right and (laughs) all of a sudden the the market just sucks right and i would agree the market for demarcus cousins right now by most reputable outlets it sucked like and and a lot of that comes down to teams once they smell blood in the water they they know that you know that, that if you're going to upset the the boat with DeMarcus Cousins, you know, and maybe it sends the wrong message, you know, to teams like 17 technicals. We're, we're fed up with this guy. Um, oh, by the way, give us a lot for him. You know, that that marketing of the asset comes into question. I mean, you got four more days left in this trade deadline where we've seen trade deadlines where it was dead quiet. Everybody, all experts, all plugged in insiders say this is going to end and there's going to be no deal. And then one pin gets pulled, you know, one Jenga piece gets pulled. And then you have 30 trades that, that completely rock the landscape of the NBA. And this sort of like all in with whatever the decision was mentality where, you know, we're, we're talking, we're talking, okay, now I'm going to give these two, these two options. Okay. We got to pick one now. Because because the decision's been made, that is the part where you look at this and you kind of shake your head thinking, you know, if that's the deal that you're going to come back with, why not say no deal? You know, you got three, four days. You've got, you know, you could you could table this until the summer. You can play hardball with him on contract negotiations. Okay, so I I have a rebuttal for this. Okay, so so in 2006, we went to sell our first house. We're asking we bought it for dirt cheap. Uh. We're asking, I want to say, two seventy. Um, I passed on an offer for two fifty, uh, and that was the worst mistake I ever made. Six months later, I sold it for two twenty five, and I lost I don't know well twenty five thousand dollars right there, but off my original asking price. And of course, it's because the market crashed right then and it started to take its dump. And so I got, you know, a lesser return for my dollar. And so I kind of understand that that's how I would equate this to the Kings. If they would have sold at his peak, they would have got the 270. But they ended up getting the 225 because they waited and they didn't take the offers that were on the table a couple of years ago. Now, the reason why I think they chose this deal on this day without waiting until thursday is very specific it's because they felt like the the water was being tainted and that they had very a very small window before sort of the the agent play came fully into play and they couldn't get away from it and couldn't save themselves and the deal would go less and less and less and at that point it's already out of the bag they had to tell him his agent knew this weekend. This it's was a gamble. It was a gamble. It, because here's the thing. When the decision the gets going to know. But that's the thing is once the decision, okay, the water's tainted. Get that. DeMarcus is a very emotional guy. This is a breach of trust. You know, he's never going to play for you again. He will just sit on the sidelines and not play if this deal doesn't go through. You know, you, you have to know that, you know, that that is a possibility and that's the case. So 
going into this type of a thing. It's not like and, and to further that point, it's not like Rudy Gay, where Rudy Gay was in trade rumors, et cetera, and he just came out and he played his game, right? Yeah. If you're going to do this, it's almost by rule going to be a gamble. And so when you make that choice and you decide to hit the button, you're you really put yourself in a bad spot because what if the deals aren't good? What if they come back the way that they are? Are, are you going to be able to to back? I, th- I think you still back out. I think you tell DeMarcus Cousins, you say, yeah, we did it. So and, and, and deal with it. And, you know, a lot of that hasn't happened with him in general within this organization. And with that in mind, you know, you keep coming back to the drawing board until you get a deal that you like and you rehab his value, you, you, you market his value, you, you know, and if he then forces his way out, you know, that's again, why you have to really plan out your gambles is, is to try to figure out, am I really going to, you know, risk if, if there is a, a, a button or a place of no return, you know, that gets pushed and, and, and you're done with this guy and he's done with you. Then you got to say, all right, well, hopefully my intel, and it sounds like that's exactly what they did, is really scratch out what they thought they could get. You know, make sure yeah. that intel is going to pan out, and then then you decide is this worth it. And I, I just think that if you pulled, I mean, especially like look, looking across sport types or even in basketball, there are always teams that think that they can fix up the the problem player, you know, and and they there are always. You know, there are organizations out there that I'm sure look at the Kings and say, you know what, that looks like a handful, but it wouldn't happen that way in our house. But there are also a lot of teams around the league that will not even take a phone call about him. And that's not a joke. There are plenty of teams in the league that will not even consider because they have either players that have played there. I mean, this isn't this isn't your normal everyday situation. And so, I mean, we can make every analogy. I'll, in the I'll book, definitely give it that. Yeah. But does. at the end of the day, I mean, realistically, once it got to the point where agents are trying to force him to stay, force the Kings to keep him so he can maximize his money, it now becomes like a race to, to seal a deal to get out of this. I mean, look how quickly this thing went. This is nuts. I mean, how quickly this thing went from zero to done. Uh, conf- the the call with the league is done, players gone. I mean, real. If the cousins really wanted to force his hand, go in and have your physical not passed. You know, go and tank the physical. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have ailments, and then end up right back in Sacramento, and then say, "What are you going to do now? Now you have you have even less value. Give me my money." And I, I so I mean, again, we're in this weird, weird situation where. You know, so many factors are at play. I'll say this, Aaron. After everything was said and done, what I saw from so many employees around the Kings, and I did bump into quite a few of them today, was a like a, a, a huge sigh of relief that this was over. I mean, it's not over because they're going to get raked over the coals in, in the press for the next 48 hours. But again... The president of the United States will save them eventually by doing something <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, sorry to get political here, people, but he will. He, you know, he, you know, he I, will. I would like to disagree with. I don't think this one's going away. It's going I, away because I, I between don't, now, now I think, and Thursday, 
the trade deadline is going to be here, and there's oh yeah, yeah, there will talk. Everybody will talk about other stuff, but this this is bigger than that. This is a huge gamble. Like it can. Here's a couple ways it could pan out. They could start winning games because you know they they actually contrary to what everybody says, there are good players on this roster that can win NBA basketball games. And so that can start to happen. And that's when you start to get to to even more gray area with this deal. Well, Aaron, I hate to tell you this too, but it's even possible that DeMarcus Cousins could go to the Pelicans and they could lose games as well. And then that team gets worse and worse. And the pick situation the Kings have on the other side where all of a sudden they're looking at a top five pick from the pelicans i I mean again just to play devil's advocate no you're right because there's no guarantee an injury prone squad with uh questionable coaching at this point in time and you know there but let's let's i i don't think that that organization will let them lose games at this point you know because of the pick like they will play to win they will play to win the game well but i don't think the kings have played to lose games i think they've played to win and I think that they're gritty. And I'm not saying that the Kings are going to make some push. The other thing that, that this also opens up is the potential for the Kings, I hate to say this, but to tank in a way that's not really tanking, in a way that you just gave up a big player. But now the players that are around are going to, the young players are going to get time to develop. Willie Cauley-Stein could play 35 minutes a night. Uh, Scal Labissiere could actually get some playing time. I mean, these are things that could happen down the stretch. And all of a sudden, the other thing that happens in this is that the Kings go from where they are right now, which is right around, what, uh, a 13, a 12, 13 spot in the lottery to uh, a number eight or nine spot. And all of a sudden, they get their lottery pick back and the the Chicago Bulls get a second round pick and the Kings are off the hook and don't have to deal with the Chicago Bulls ever again. So not only could this deal mean that you get a pick from New Orleans, but it also could mean that your pick stays with you and it becomes a better pick than it is right now. And so, again, if you're collecting assets, this is something that you have to look at. And, you know, we can... I guess the one other thing I would point out is that the Kings have Willie Cauley-Stein, who will next year be entering his third year. Uh, They'll have three, uh, four first-round picks from the 2016 draft, including Buddy Hield. Now, uh, Malachi, Papianis, Scal, Libisier, they'll have a potential for two more first round picks and Bogdan Bogdanovich. So now your young core goes to eight players. And so that's dramatic as well. I mean, this, this gives the Kings abilities to do other things that they may not have. And what it does is it hits a reset button for a team that is on pace to win 34, 35 games. Again. All of these things are true, and as it will always be, <laughs> it will all be proven out or, or, or weighed in the next two to three years when you either see the Isaiah Thomas effect or you see something that would be opposite of that. I don't know if there's an effect named out there for, for, for what just happened. If it doesn't, you know, if it works out for the Kings, if, if Cousins goes to the Pelicans, has issues or whatever, they don't win, you know, the the Kings and then the Kings, you know, their young core comes out and just rolls with it in two to three years. We'll all be talking about how smart this was. Well, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, in fact, Timberwolves I even effect. said in the last pod. Yeah. Uh, what's that? It's the Minnesota what, Timberwolves. What's the effect? The Minnesota Timberwolves well, effect. Well, yeah, yeah. They traded I Kevin mean, Love and all of a sudden back to back number one overall picks. The Kings aren't going to get back to back number one overall picks, but they do have their 2018 
first round pick. They don't have their 2019. Well, you know, there's somebody but, there's somebody out there right now screaming at their their car or however they're listening to this, talking about all of the Kings draft picks from the last 10 years and saying, you really think we're going to start drafting well now? And and that's another question, you know, for the, the future is well, what's the what's the shape of this front office? What's the shape of this ownership group? Are they going to be able to unite and and be effective in what they do? That's a main question for these guys. You know, and I even went on the last pod we did and I said, you know, what, if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't do something as simple as play through the post and take advantage of his advantages, become a, a, a smarter offensive player that I personally wouldn't have given the two hundred and thirty million dollars. But, you know, that kind of is, is a separate issue that yeah. is, I mean, is more based like everybody's not upset about trading to Marcus Cousins. And I can speak to the fact that there are probably a ton of employees, fans inside, outside the walls that are happy that this has happened for whatever reasons. Yep. You know, just getting this stupid story off of the tip of everybody's tongue that they have to watch every night. I mean, it's terrible to watch. It really is. Um, but it's it's the way that it's conducted. It's the the methodology, pardon me, methodologies. It's the ROI. It's the planning. And, and at the end of the day, that will be the biggest determinant of success for the Kings going forward and nothing else. So that is what's on, I guess, trial. It's a big gamble. And we'll have to see how it all plays out, really. I mean, in two to three years, we'll have the answer to it. That's right. It may even take three or four years. I mean, in all honesty, sometimes you need to let a, a first-round pick develop. Uh, this could also mean huge things for, again, Scal, where all of a sudden he could get some playing time where he wasn't going to before. Uh, the Kings do all of a sudden have a major, major soft spot at the power forward position where realistically they only have Anthony Tolliver there. And uh, and then Scal. I mean, they don't have their stretch fours anymore. They're all gone, uh, which brings us to our last couple of points in that, um, again, uh, Omri Caspi has been a an exemplary king over his, you know, his two stops in Sacramento. And he was part of the deal that went to uh, the Pelicans. And I wish... Omri and his and his wife, nothing but the best. Uh, talk about a really, really good guy, a professional, a guy who's doing things for his own community, a lot like Demarcus is. is. Demarcus was here in Sacramento, but also uh, Omri was doing things for for the for Israeli and, and Jewish communities, and so a uh, really good guy. And I wish him nothing but the best. He really didn't fit here with Dave Yeager, and I don't think that ra that relationship was ever going to fix itself. And so he's going to get an opportunity here to prove himself in New Orleans, hopefully, uh, because he actually looks like an upgrade over what they have at their small forward spot if he's healthy enough. Um, and then secondly, Aaron, Matt Barnes is gone. The The Kings bought out Matt Barnes, which they used a stretch provision on his salary for next year which took his $6 million salary, uh, 6.4, I think, and spread it out over three years. Uh, and so he'll be paid 2.1 something million uh, for the next three years. But he is now off the books and gone. And I, I don't know where you're at with that, but, uh, you know, Matt Barnes did some good things and he also did some, some bad things. And I think uh, Kings fans are probably... Just the way he came into this situation, who he was before he joined the Kings, 
I don't think a lot of Kings fans were happy that he was brought on. And then the way things played out this year, the uh, the situation with him in uh, New York City, uh, the seven technicals, the flagrant fouls, um, he was gritty. He played really well for stretches. He also had moments where he wasn't great, but he was also a big time leader in that locker room and somebody's going to have to step up and fill those shoes. I think it'll be Garrett Temple and Anthony Tolliver and Ty Lawson uh, and Darren Collison. But, you know, this is these are two other transactions that happened here uh, where changes, you know, changes change. You know, I, I, what do you make of those two moves? I don't know the ins and outs of the, the Caspi thing to the point where I would want to, like, put my foot in the ground and say this. But I would say that that would have been a real wise move for the Kings to keep him. Uh, just for PR reasons at this point, um, but he's gone, and and that again is is a a, a situation where not really a Dave Yeager guy, um, and I and I think there was some frustration within the front office that he didn't play more, um, but that's kind of all done now, and you know as far as Matt Barnes goes, you know this is a, this is an interesting time for Dave Yeager because I think he was playing with house money. And I know he was playing with house money. He's he's had, you know, the nobody in their right mind. Well, <laughs> it would be very hard to see the Kings letting him go this year. And that gives you incredible leash as a coach to do what you want to do. And he's done things his way. And a lot of that hasn't worked out. And a lot of that might have been with an eye to the future. You know, and maybe he knew some things we didn't know as far as, you know, this this now Today, as, as we stand here, he has to coach a different team going forward. And he, it's going to be now more on him to get results through his system and through, you know, the results that he brings to the court. Because as far as looking backwards, I don't know that I mean, we can say it's hard as heck to deal with this situation. And you can point to all the positive things that he has done. But Matt Barnes, that was a killer, a because it was obvious to anybody who knew DeMarcus and or Matt Barnes that Barnes's impact on Cousins on the court with regard to technical fouls, with regard to the way that he bickered with refs, with regard to the way that he even uses his hands on defense, just being too handsy. This was all obvious stuff that never really got dealt with. And it all contributed to, if we want to put, put all this focus on this last you know, weak against Golden State and flipping off a fan and this, that, and the other. You know, any sort of muzzle, so to speak, on Matt Barnes, any sort of, you know, pulling back on the leash, any restriction there to say, hey, Matt, you know, we got this guy here. He's a big, important piece of our franchise, and we need every all hands on deck in terms of retraining, recalibrating him to get better at X, Y, and Z. That never happened. You know, so when we look back at the DeMarcus Cousins era of Dave Yeager's coaching time in Sacramento, there were some positives. He connected with DeMarcus, I thought, pretty well. I thought he gave DeMarcus enough leash to where there weren't any obvious blow-ups. But as far as getting in between DeMarcus and refs for technicals or even actively coaching him while he's on the floor and saying, hey, this is not what we do here, yada, 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 or even taking a bad influence off the floor, who, by the way, was giving up points left and right making bad plays on virtually every possession down the floor. And only until this last week of, of games was he even providing relatively positive play. So you look at that, the Kufus lineup, which is Costa Kufus and, and DeMarcus Cousins, which really isn't supposed to go with each other. And all these close games that, you know, I, I really think 10 of them could have swung in, in the Kings favor. Yeah. You know, if we want to be conservative and say five, I'm fine with that. 
that would have them in an eight in an eight seed right that now. That would have them at five hundred. And, and and that's gonna be, you know, that that would have changed that. I don't I don't think this deal happens if that's the case. So going forward, Matt no Matt Barnes. I think that's that's a great thing for the Kings. I think he's he kind of wore out his welcome and 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 that era's gone. You got a good, solid crew of of, of people now. You know, in that locker room where Garrett Temple, Anthony Tolliver, Darren Collison, Ty Lawson, you know, Willie Cauley Stein, Ben McElmore. You know, I think that this is a group that they can coalesce around. And Jaeger just wins with these kinds of lineups. That's the other thing about this. Jaeger could 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 win enough games to where they don't get that Chicago pick. And, and my God, if that happens, I, I don't even want to check my mentions. <laughs> well, it is what it is. I mean, and I, I guess the the one last thing we'll we'll end with here. I really like Buddy Hield. I loved watching him in college. I know Kings fans wanted him really bad in the draft. I know the Kings tried to move up in the draft to take him, and uh, whether or not that I mean that didn't work out, they they really really like him, and so that's a big deal. I mean, getting a guy that you like, a guy at I don't think it's a position of need, but now maybe Malachi can play the small forward. Uh, ben Mclemore's future has always been up in the air, anyways. So I, I think this actually does a few things for the Kings here that, um, you know, I think they found what they believe is their shooting guard for the next 10 years. And uh, I'll, I'll throw this out there. Before the year for New Orleans, I had a rather optimistic viewpoint of Buddy Heald in relation to other rookies and, and his stat set coming out of college's percentages in particular, while being a high usage player, are pretty rare. And I look at a lot of this stuff. So it, but he hasn't had a great year, and I don't think it's been a great environment for him in, in New Orleans. So, hey, you know what? You root for a guy like that. He's a hard worker, and he's got a great attitude. So, yeah, who knows? He's, he's you know, good people. That's that's the, the two two thing to three him. years. I, I I would actually, you know what? I would. I'll close on this. I I, I like my heart goes out to Kings fans. Like it, it really does. You yeah. guys have been through so much. I want this for you guys to be smart for you guys. I want this to work for you guys because I think we're all tired of talking about, oh, Kings fans this, Kings fans that. You guys have been through enough. I, I would love to be absolutely wrong on this. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I'll end on this. Regardless of, of what you followed uh, throughout the last, I don't know, seven years uh, of, of Kings basketball, um, the the first relocation attempt, if you were paying attention, you saw that coming. Uh, the second relocation attempt, if you were paying attention, you saw Chris Hansen and the Seattle crew coming. I don't think anyone saw this coming. The way that it rolled out, I know that DeMarcus's people didn't see this coming at all. This came out of left field. Everything was moving towards him being a Sacramento King for the next six years and potentially for the next 10 or whatever, 10, 11, 12 years, depending on how long he was able to go. This was the most shocking thing I've seen. And it just caught people off guard. And I, there's a lot of emotion, but Kings fans are, are used to dealing with sort of the ebb and flow of, uh, you know, it, it's almost like the, the steps of, of grief. You know, you have your shock, you have your depression, you have your, uh, you, you start coming around to it and then all of a sudden you have your acceptance and, and I think everyone is going to go through that, 
But the fact that you have three or four days to think about it, the fact that more trades could happen between now and Thursday, uh, I think it just adds so much angst to this situation and some questions and uh, some really baffled people out there uh, who who really enjoyed watching DeMarcus. I really enjoyed watching DeMarcus. I know DeMarcus very well. I feel bad for him because he was shocked by this and his people were shocked by this and it was a really, really lonely flight on the way back from New Orleans. But this is the NBA and it's not just about how good you are at basketball. It's always about more than that. And at some point, that had to go through DeMarcus's head, that this had to be about more. If you're going to be a, I mean, if you add in his next year's salary to the $219 million extension, we're talking $237 million. That is almost a quarter of a billion dollars. He wasn't just going to be the face of the franchise. He was going to be every way to be a billionaire. <laughs> He was he was going to be everything. And if the Kings, at the last moment, moment, if it was two weeks ago, if it was, you know, the last hour, if they decided that they couldn't live with that as uh, as a possibility, I, I think I think that that's something that they had to do. And I know that's painful, but this was a big old band-aid that just got ripped off. And people are shocked and they're, they're emotional and season ticket holders are like, what in the world? But this is the NBA. It's not like you haven't seen it before. Uh, it's not like Chris Webber wasn't traded and that thing came out of nowhere. Uh, as a kid, I'll tell you this, my biggest shock was the day that Ricky Henderson was traded from the Oakland A's. And the, the A's did it again when they traded Jose Canseco out of nowhere. These things happen, and I know it's painful for people. Same time, you got to do what's best for your franchise. And if you think the direction is going the wrong way, you gotta you gotta step up, and you gotta put a halt to it, and you gotta take it a different direction. And that is what the Sacramento Kings just did. So whether it works out or not, who knows? But thirty three wins is the best we ever saw in the last seven years, and a lot of other seasons were much worse than that. So. Aaron, you have anything else? I just wonder how much fury he is going to play with for the next 25 games. I think he comes out and really lays a whooping on on the opposition and that that's not really a that's not a statement on this deal. That's just my gut saying, you know, when you get rocked to your core, when somebody tells you you're not good enough, your first reaction is to get out there and make make them pay. Yeah. And and that's going to happen. And that might be something just to kind of prepare yourself for if you're a Kings fan is that is very likely to happen and also buy some league pass so you could get the, the Hornets games or the, the Pelicans game. Yeah, that's right. You're going you're gonna, to want to watch them. Yeah, and, and, and the Kings do play the Pelicans. They do still play them. And I don't play know. Play them in, in New Orleans though, right? Yeah, I don't even want to know what that's going to be like. That's going to oh be my. like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm looking for that one on the schedule right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're all looking that one up on the schedule. So, uh, again, 
I wish nothing but the best to DeMarcus Cousins and Omri Caspi. Uh, getting to know both of them over the last couple of years has been. Well, and thank him, thank you, DeMarcus, for everything you've done for the Sacramento community. Yeah. I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, I, I talk with people in the community that have worked with him on, on, and this is not basketball people at all, and and they just have nothing but the best things to say about him. And that, you know, goes without saying, as, as the game is bigger than basketball, as they say. Yes. You, you you hope everybody does it the way that he has done it. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for this special edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. There will be another day, Kings fans. Uh, the sun will rise and set, and basketball will re- resume on Thursday night when the Sacramento Kings try to cut the Denver Nuggets' lead to a half game in the race for eight. <laughs> the road to 33 is still in effect. It just took a really, really strange turn. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. We'll see you soon.